We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 471. We're brought to you today by One CBD, NFL Sunday ticket, and a very exciting new podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Scott, Greg Olson's TE1. I've been listening to the preview episodes. They sound awesome. I can't wait until the full episodes drop. Yeah, so this is a project that I've been working on for months now and uh, very excited about it. So definitely want to share with uh, all of you guys, if you're a football fan, if you're an NFL fan, uh, it's definitely a podcast that you want to you want to go check out. It's Greg Olson talking about the evolution of the tight end position, starting from an extra offensive lineman. And now, obviously, you're seeing these guys get paid as superstar, superstar position. Uh, George Kittle just got paid. Kelsey just got paid. Uh, he talks with both of those guys, but starts it with Ditka and Ozzie Newsom, then into Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, um, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and then kind of full circle with Cole Komet, who's the new tight end coming into the Chicago Bears from Notre Dame, where Greg actually got drafted. So this is, uh, I've listened to a, 
you know, the majority of the episodes, you know, I've been working on it for a while and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really good. It really is. And it's different. It's, it's a different thing where he's just going one-on-one with these guys and they get, um, you know, super in depth with like how the position has formed and like just all the things around it, because a lot of these guys have similar, uh, you know, similar experiences going through, going through the NFL or getting to the NFL. So it was really interesting and, and I'm, I'm excited for it to, to launch. It launches tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, but you can go and if you go to the podcast feed right now, you search TE1, like tight end one, and you will, uh, you, you can subscribe uh, to it now and there's a preview episodes in there just kind of like teasers so you can see who's who else is in the show and uh, tomorrow is the first two episodes will be dropping uh, first one with uh, Mike Ditka and then Ozzy Newsom. so yeah man it's fun it's gonna be a good one yeah it's uh he seems very into it meaning he seems very into the history of the position and he, yeah and and like you know different players over the years like, like I can't imagine Gronkowski who may be the best tight end of all time. Like his peak might be better than anyone's. I'm not sure he's going to dive into the history of the TE1 position. No on a podcast. <laughs> well, Olsen also is, is next year. He got signed or, you know, he signed with Seattle this year after being Carolina for nine and uh, a one-year deal. Who knows if, if he may play it longer than that, but he's also has a, a, you know, a contract waiting for him from Fox. So he's going to be, you know, the number two guy in the booth. With, Those studios with, uh, are just scooping up guys. Yeah, they, They're trying to get the next Romo. That's, that's right. what every every network is just trying to be the next to find the next Romo because Romo was like this phenomenon, right? Where CBS put him on the color the color commentary, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, he's so good!" And also, he was compared to Phil Sims, who was basically a puppet by the by the end of by the end of his time in the booth but yeah they're all just looking for the next Romo and who wouldn't want to be the next Romo getting paid 20 million bucks oh my a year? god they're getting paid more than they do uh, on the field with way less way less body trauma uh, yeah it's interesting man it's really a really a cool one he's he's just he goes through the interviews really well and then um, it's you know funny tie to this not funny but but just ironic tie to all of this whole thing Greg Olson's uh, one of one of his children actually has HLHS, which is the same condition that Kemp has, and um, he does a lot of really really great things for, you know the um, just the cause and raising money for the uh, for you know for research. And he does some he put together a program down in Charlotte for um, for families to get nursing uh, nurses at home with the kids between inter inter surgery period, which is the most crucial period between the first two surgeries. So I have a lot of respect for him. And, uh, it, it, you know, it was a very perfect alignment for me working on a project. Obviously, if I can raise his pedestal, you know, raise his platform a little bit, that's a good thing for, um, for HLHS and research. So definitely go check it out. It's, uh, it's launching tomorrow. TE one, uh, you can find it in Apple podcasts on Spotify and Stitcher anywhere, anywhere you uh, listen to your shows. Awesome. Yeah, I guess we're a football podcast now because the Yankees stopped playing baseball. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> zero baseball was played since the last time we talked. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Do, do you think maybe the, the weekend uh, break might do them some good because coming off that Tampa sweep where they were just so injured? I mean, they're still injured, but at least they can get a mental break away from the game of baseball. I don't know, man. For me, when you when you get something, let's say you get disappointing news or or something doesn't go the way that you wanted it to go in anything, right? Don't you want to get back out there and like right the wrong almost? Not that you can do that against the team, but I don't want to sit in it and and soak in it for any much any longer. To tell you the truth, I would rather ordinarily get out there. Ordinarily, I might agree with you, but the wrath of injuries that hit them on Wednesday and Thursday 
it actually might be better to just get a breather from that where they felt like they were underwater in all aspects. Yeah. So just to be able to, and, and now think of it, judge is going to be back on Tuesday. He, he may have been back on Saturday against the Mets. We'll never know, but he was supposed to be back on Saturday, but this means three fewer games that we're going to miss with DJ, with Stanton, with Britain, like all these guys, Glaber, like all of these guys, it's three fewer games. It, it's they're still on the IL recovering, but they're not games missed. Right. We've been playing this. We've been playing this. Uh, this game. They started out the season in July, and we're like, oh well, wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to start the season with all these guys that are currently here now, and now we're doing well. Missed the game because of COVID over the weekend. Wouldn't be wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't have played these games without those guys. So why not miss the time? It's it's like. It's 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 funny the the thing that the the things that we're counting as wins are uh, are not the same this year. <laughs> we're, we're we're counting them as wins because they're not missing games. Well, you just gotta talk yourself into something positive when right. when, when the team gets hit like that <sighs> two years in a row. I mean, twenty eighteen they had some injuries, but twenty nineteen obviously they took it to another level, and they're just continuing on that another level. This year, and I saw an article. Uh, Lindsay Adler wrote it in the Athletic, where you know she sort of compared the the next man up mentality from last year, and they found all of these depth pieces to come in and really provide great value. But it might not be there this year, and that's not to say Cashman hasn't built good depth. It's just to bank on that happening two years in a row is unrealistic. Well, it's unrealistic. The only pushback there is that I, the depth has become the starters. Think, well, no, but they've also we've all, they've also become a realized quantity of of actual talent. Like there's there's guys down there that you know you didn't expect to have as as much talent as they do. But I think they do. They there are there is talent there that can withstand you know more than than we thought. Obviously in the beginning of last year because we saw them play. We saw the how that played out. But going into this year again, known quantity. You know, the Yankees understand what they have, but they do know that these guys can play with a lot of other people because there is talent on that second tier of guys. So I think we're fortunate in that sense that, you know, it's not just a they there wasn't just like five or six guys that are gonna flame out completely. Like I, I actually believe that these guys are gonna play well and, and still, you know, produce at a decent at a decently high level. So, you know, I'll agree a little bit with her, but at the same time it's it's not the same as like just you know, having one or two guys like capture lightning in a bottle. Like these guys are talented. They're good baseball players still. Yes. But, but think about the guys they've lost judge Stanton, DJ, three right. best off three best offensive players. We agree on that. And then, I mean, just start right there. That's three out of your nine best offensive players. That's that's, I mean, they're not no, as good no as the team. guys that are replacing. No, there's no doubt. There's no there's doubt no about doubt. that. Yeah. Yeah. And then Glaber, who is, fourth or fifth best offensive player like when he's going right yeah might have, might have upgraded on defense probably did with the way he was playing this year definitely paxton second most important starter britain second most important reliever they had already lost canely but canely's lost for the season but let's play a fun game let's rank the importance of getting guys back between judge paxton glaber lemayhew stanton britain you can throw Avalon in there if you want. <laughs> well, I mean, he's been integral to the beginning of the season. Integral. Everyday Avalon, as our as our guy Neil Keefe says. The uh, to me, it's 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 pretty easy, honestly. The first two are is Judge is number one, and then DJ LeMahieu is number two. And I I could even 
I could even, you know, sit here for an argument that DJ is number it. one. Like, I'm don't just saying it. I could sit here for that argument. <laughs> don't do it. And the don't reason I'm saying that it. is because of the on-base percentage, because of the guy, the way that the guy gets on base, like, you know, it's needed. And Judge does too. Judge gets on base. Uh, but but the yeah, way Judge was playing this year, he's the most important player. For sure, player. for sure. You know, I'm 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 dicking around here, but the uh <laughs> the, the thing is Judge is definitely the number one. Uh and then yeah, DJ's not far behind, but he's up there. And clear, I think those two are clear cut the 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 number one and two. So I said Stanton is the is the third most or the third best offensive player, and he was playing well this year. But is he the third most important to get back from injury? I don't think so. Not not by a long shot. Because he's just a DH. He and they can find other pieces in the lineup to to hit. Yeah. In, in his spot. But getting Glaber back, say, at shortstop, assuming he's playing well, I think you can make an argument is more important than Stanton. Getting Paxton back, I mean, at this point, I don't know. He says he it's a flexor strain, so no Tommy John surgery required at this point. And he says he's hopeful to return at some point in the regular season. But are we expecting him to contribute at all this no. year? Because I'm not. No. The, I mean, I've I've seen best what best case scenario him come back for a couple starts as like a warm up into the postseason, and then what we're gonna get him for what three innings, four yeah, innings ex- in the postseason. Exactly. It's gonna. Do you be- remember what Tanaka did in four? What year did he hurt himself? Was that fourteen? Um, I want to say it was I think fi- it was fifteen. No, 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 fifteen. He started against the Astros. That's in the right. It was fourteen. Then. So fourteen, and you remember he came back for like two or three starts in September and just threw you know 45, 50 pitches yeah. each start. Like yeah. that's what we're looking at for Paxton. Oh yeah, just so he can save some face and hopefully get a contract in the offseason. Uh, it's but, the, it's not anything to do with that anymore. Now it's just to see if his arm is not going to fall off before you know throwing it out there in a postseason. And but but can you actually like slate him in as a starter in any in any series? No, hell no. How do you do why, that? Why would you? I mean, especially what we saw this year, 91, 92 miles, miles an hour velocity. Like, oh, he's going to he's going to be out with a flexor strain and then come back throwing 97 again. No, <laughs> so it's not I, realistic. What he is at this point is 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 on the shelf. You know, might as well be go out and get a pitcher because this guy ain't coming back. Yeah, that's any the conversation. That's the conversation a lot of people are having is who do the Yankees target on the on the trade market, which is one week away. <laughs> one week away is the trade deadline. I don't know I don't know how as a GM you approach this trade deadline. I don't either because what do you Are you supposed to go out there and make a move and give up assets in a season that may end on the next day? What happens then? No takebacks. You're, like you're shit out of luck. Yeah, just no. like the just like the Dodgers would have been shit out of luck if Mookie Betts didn't play one day for them. There are too many unpredictable things for any GM to go in with any remotely decent asset, unless it's a long term play, unless it's something that's well, going to be staying around that that's an existing contract, or you know, there's an agreement which doesn't exist in baseball usually, a sign and trade. Like those don't usually happen in baseball. Maybe they will this year, but... Well, you have to... So I I think um, I'm forgetting who wrote it on our website about targeting Trevor Bauer. There was an article saying the Yankees should target Trevor Bauer. Bauer's having an unbelievable season. Not only is he out there trolling baseball on Twitter every day, but he's out there just shoving on the mound. But he's a free agent after this year. So like you said, you might get him for one start. And then the season comes to a screeching halt, and then what? It, but you that, gave up. Yeah. You gave up Debbie Garcia for him. It's like you can't do that. No, 
you can't do that. It's too risky. It's too risky to give up any. Was it Joe who wrote it? Might have been Randazzo. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, but the um, no, it's just too. It's too risky as as a as a general manager. You know, you try to avoid risk at all costs, and now you're going in with just glaring, glaring risk, staring you in the face with not that much upside. Because what is the upside? The upside is what? So you get some good starts out of somebody that that comes in and pitches well and the season ends or all goes well. And this thing like somehow pans out. They get to the postseason and you you get deep into the postseason or even win it. Like, is it is it valued at this point? This goes back to the the conversation everyone had when we found out it was going to be a 60 game season. But it's does this World Series count? It's not even so much that it counts. It's how valuable it is to an ownership group as well to, to to a team like what is their value placed on a championship for this year well i think it uh, that's an interesting team, question team i think i would love to know more about how they view it as a as a um you know profit loss model like what does that look like you're not going to get the same gear sold i would assume you're not going to get the same well i don't know about gear sold but i think i mean obviously you don't gain the benefits of the postseason ticket revenue and that's a huge thing when your team goes all the way or deep in the playoffs however teams experience something the seasons following a championship where they sell out all their season tickets licenses right that's not that's not a not a not a consideration for the new york yankees though no, but what if it was the Minnesota Twins? But we're not and talking Minnes- about the Twins. We're talking about the Yankees. No, I said it varies team to team. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you're the Minnesota Twins and you win the pennant this year, maybe not even win the World Series, but you win the American League, you might get the next five seasons of season ticket licenses sold out. And then that's really good value for the owner. Yeah. That's a tough sell for me right now in the middle of this whole thing with like, you know, people losing their jobs left and right. It's just, that's, that's a tough one for me because there's, there's so many different, there are so many different, you know, variables and things that go into that equation, you know, for, for what next year is. Cause one, they don't know what next year looks like. Can they sell the entire place out? Can they even sell all of those seat licenses right. if they wanted to? What if you're only allowed fifty percent capacity? Okay, so then then what if we have what if they have to lower prices by thirty percent just to attract more people to the ballpark? What happens then? What happens when the um the because the the MLB and the players union is going to have to come to some agreement on certain things? What what happens when there's a strike? Then then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. you can't play. There are well, so that, many considerations going into next year for owners that I, I don't, I really, really, really have, I'm super interested to know how they value a championship this year because I don't think it holds that much weight. So if you were a general manager, specifically for the Yankees or maybe for any team, you're not going after a short-term rental to win a championship, but are you going after a guy who's a long-term asset that can also help you this year if there is a championship yeah i think that's that's where the appealing that's where things that that could happen could get interesting if those guys exist on the market for um that and they're willing to give them up so it's got to be a great scenario for the other team as well in the sense that they have a long-term guy that they overcommitted to for some reason because they're a crappy team well no but what if he's uh what if he's a pre-arb guy yeah, that, that's that's another one too. You, like you know how the Yankees acquired Paxton and they got two years of arbitration right. left. So if you, the Yankees acquire a pitcher and he's got two years of arbitration, right? Left. I could see that scenario. Yes. Okay. So that's a that's a that's a good scenario. I think anything beyond, uh, you know, a one year rental, 
would would most likely be the attractive way to go. And and you know maybe that's going to be where the market goes because the I, right. I have those a feeling guys that, might be those guys might be valued double yeah. in this year, even more than they already are. And then you're competing with literally everyone who's in playoff contention on trying to get that guy off the 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 team that is is uh there's going to be a lot year. of people in co- in competition for that person because it's beyond this year yes and then uh that that person may be the the standard of value whereas in the past the one year rental guy does drive up the cost this year it's the longer term guy that's the more um you know approachable contract and player that that people want so i i don't know it's interesting man i could see absolutely nothing happening also at the deadline just like this is too much like this is too muddy i don't want to give up these guys because they may not be getting the value that's the other side of it you're like you're talking about the value being driven up well it very well may but nobody's willing to give anything for somebody so it's 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 now a point where i might as well hold on to this guy and see what happens it's going to be very interesting because as we sit here monday we're one week away from the trade deadline I'm wondering if there's going to be sort of just a lot of smoke but no fire or if there's going to be a mad dash in like the last 48 hours where a bunch of crap happens because everyone's scrambling. Like I'm very fascinated to see what happens, but then I'm not going to be surprised if it's just crickets. And and at the at the four o'clock deadline, we just realize, oh, nobody moved teams. Also, how do you trade people? You're literally trading humans from team to team mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic. Right. It's like even that concept when you boil it down to that is weird. Well, they would have to be – you'd lose them for 14 days, That I think, right? Because they're coming into a new situation. So does that – No, you're not going to lose them for 14 days. I think they just have to be tested. And then if they come back negative, yeah, then they're, so. they're able to go on to their new team. Right. But, but it's still just a weird concept of that. Yeah, no, it's 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 uh, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I don't think that's as much of a consideration. It's not like their their families aren't traveling with them, you know, throughout this thing. At least I don't think they are the majority of them. I don't even know how that's feasible. But um, no, but but what if you're a guy and you are on the Detroit Tigers and you've lived in Detroit, your family's in Detroit, your kids go to Zoom school in Detroit (laughs) and then and then you get (laughs) traded. (laughs) You just hear what you said. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's so and, and then you get tra- you get traded to the Yankees, or you get traded to the uh, the Dodgers. You have to move your family in the middle of a pandemic, possibly from a lower risk state to a higher risk state. Anybody going to California? Nobody's moving right now. now. That's the thing. I think that's 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 where I'll differ. Like it's such a short. Season. You're not going to move your family? No, because why would you? If it's a one-year thing, not at this point. Like maybe in the off-season when you can like you know ground yourself. I, I guess, but these are conversations. I think that teams, that players at least should be having, right? Don't you think this is a conversation in the players' union meetings with Tony Clark and sure. his PowerPoint oh, yeah, yeah, presentations? Yeah, because they're they're using everything. They're they're going to look for everything they can possibly muster up for. If any- that can get a guy one more dollar in arbitration, <laughs> it's going to be on the PowerPoint presentation, right? The uh, they're called decks today. That's, yeah, that's I know what, what they're I've, called. I've learned that. I've learned that in the past six months. They're called decks. Um, no, it's, it's Scotty business over there. It's a it's a matter of uh, it's a matter of using everything you possibly can for leverage. And I, I I don't see people moving around besides the player, which you know they are anyway because they're you know in season and they're traveling around. But the um, the concept of it is pretty pretty crazy. But I could absolutely see nothing happening. If the Yankees were to go out and do something, they would need to get arms. 
They would oh, need yeah. Pitching. I mean, that's that's what you go or, for. Because- or do we not just, just let's go into the minor leagues and then do what we can do? Let's see, see what, what we got. See what Debbie Garcia can do. See what Clark Schmidt could do. But yeah, yeah, so that's the, the other conversation. Bite the bullet and get Clark Schmidt on the goddamn 40-man roster so we can at least watch him pitch because everybody wants to see it. Stop dicking around with the play, with the service time and just get him up and let's go. Well, that's going to be the next... Well, that was my next topic is what do they do in Paxton starts because they this week they're able to push the inevitable decision of who they're going to start in place of him because they had just three off days and then you have Tuesday and Thursday off. So Garrett Cole's pitching Tuesday, or excuse me, Monday and Thursday off. Garrett Cole's pitching Tuesday, Tanaka's pitching Wednesday. They don't, and then then they could go with Hap. Yeah, you know who's real happy right they, now. They don't. They don't want to go. Guess who's not getting Hap. Guess who's not getting skipped anymore. <laughs> Hap just saw seventeen million dollar signs in, his and eyes. he's going to be pitching for me in the in the in the month of September against all of those awesome opponents. I can't wait. Here comes six wins. Let's go. Yeah. But um, imagine if they just like pitch him every day for the last six days. Yeah, so they CC Sabathia him <laughs> from the Milwaukee uh, Milwaukee CC becomes J Hap. Just throws his arm out. But but the way the rotation is right now, other than Garrett Cole, you've got Tanaka still trying to work up arm strength. Yeah. You've got Hap, who who stinks, who no one trusts. Coming off of a stud start. You've got you've got openers, you've got Michael King, you've got Johnny Lasagna, you've got you've got nothing really of substance other than Garrett Cole. Well, your your boy, your Swiss Army knife is gonna become a, the next starter. I mean, that's the logical thing to to see from yeah, all this i mean maybe don't Louis you Sessa, think maybe they stretch out Sessa and try to get well, I, but you can't go so you just mentioned three guys king loisica and Sessa. i didn't mention loisica you did i think loisica for me would be the third option of of those three and but he, he started he started a couple games already started been opened yeah. but but here's the problem all of those guys are three inning guys how do you do that two out of five rotation spots you start stretch. They start stretching out. That's that's the, that's my point. You, you got to stretch one of those guys out. I think even more. I think one of those guys you got to get into a, a, a starter's mentality and and get his arm prepared starting yesterday, and 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 stretch him out because I don't. You know, you go around the league again. Like you start looking at what the options are, feasible options, actual viable options that you can get back at a decent value at a decent cost. And who even knows if those costs are, are really even set at this point? But now you look at that against some of the people that you have in house, and is it an is it is it an improvement? I would I would venture that a lot of these, you know, quote improvements are probably pretty, you know, pretty unparalleled to to those those types of talent. Honestly, I can't imagine that many like high high talented guys being uh, being moved. Yeah, and and, and so you think it's going to be. King as the first stretch out guy? I would guy think or? so. I would think that King just... I would think that King would be the guy. And then just because Sessa really hasn't been in that role in a, in a while, King's probably the closest and to Sessa's it. And Sessa's still trying to work back from COVID, honestly. Like, he's still not... I mean, I feel like they've only used him a handful of times and it's been kind of sporadic. Yeah. Nothing nothing really consistent. King has pitched uh, a decent amount. And in the start... Didn't they push him into the fourth inning in his start against Tampa? Yeah, he went three and a third. I think he got one out and then got and then got bumped. But he he's the guy. He's the to me. He's the guy that they're they're they could try. I know out. it's a sixty game season, but 
damn, are they really just like overloading this bullpen right now? Well, and that's the other problem is that you take a guy like Michael King now out of the bullpen rotation. Who are you going to put in there when when the inevitable two to three inning start happens with uh, maybe Michael this King new guy they got? Maybe this new guy they got uh, Addison, Addison Russ, Russ, who everybody not Addison I was like, Russell. <gasps> when I first saw it, I was like, <gasps> it was just an, it was an audible gasp. Like, no, they did not get Addison Russell. Like, what is happening right now? I didn't even know, like, he was still eligible for trading. I was like, oh, Addison Russell is just, like, banned from baseball, isn't he? Didn't he? Isn't he in Japan? I think he got signed from by a Japanese league over in, at some did point. Did he? I, I honestly have no clue. I think so. I thought I thought I saw that. Maybe it was a Korean league. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, um, so they got this guy, Addison Russ, from the Phillies in exchange for David Hale. The, the Phillies are just... That was a Joe Girardi special right there. Just throwing shit against the wall, trying to get anything to stick in that bullpen. David Hale but feels the, like a big Joe Girardi guy. <clears throat> was he on the the seventeen team? I, I don't think so. Right? If he, I, th- I thought maybe he came over at the end. I don't know. It just David Hale just feels like a Joe Girardi guy. It feels like a Girardi guy. Girardi's a solid bullpen manager. Yeah, he, and David Hale is a guy that can. <laughs> I, to tell you the truth, I I kind of want David Hale back. Yeah, like, couldn't, couldn't, he come in, couldn't he come in handy right yeah, now? He was throwing like 96. You know, we saw some uh, we saw some good stuff from him. Like, I, I feel like he would be a guy but that I would trust what, more. Than but some. we know what David Hale is. But, yeah. And like this kid had a 2.48 ERA, 200 strikeouts. 200 strikeouts, Scott, in 152 and two thirds innings. Well, why are they trading him for David Hale then? That's a good question. <laughs> Why, why is Joe Girardi don't, giving up? You know what? You know what? Just don't don't think about that. Just look at those numbers I just said. Because if this is a if this is an actually a you know a, a Brian Cashman Luke Voigt type of move in in this season for a pitcher, the guy's going down as the greatest we GM of all time. Haven't seen Cashman do that with pitchers. No, though. he's done it with Luke Voigt, Girashella, Mike Talkman. Like he can do it with position players. Yeah, but we have not seen him do it with. Pitchers got Didi off the scrap heap, kind of like there were there were yeah, kind of. I mean, they, it's not like they traded nobody for Didi. Still, there were it was a it was a good move. The um dude they traded uh, Chase and Shreve and actually Voigt. Gallegos Gallegos has turned into a pretty good reliever. So, yeah. but still, Luke Voigt has been the most productive offensive first baseman in the American League since 2018. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, no. If he pulls it off for a pitcher, I mean, look, there's, there's, let's see this guy throw. Let's see, well, that's what let's I'm saying. How those is numbers this, translate. Is this a guy they will just feel comfortable putting on the 40 man roster, putting him into a couple games because it's really like if he doesn't work out, they don't care. I mean, if they, that's when you see who they traded. Yeah, kind of. I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of what you're going for when you trade David Hill for a guy like this. And it seems like he has some strikeout upside. Like, obviously, you don't just strike out 200 guys in 152 innings. Does he walk do like five guys a game? Is that what's, what's the rub I here? didn't see his walks. Look on his MILB page. See what see what his walks is. Yeah, it probably. It wouldn't surprise me if he's got a shit ton of walks. Yeah. But yeah, this guy is uh, interesting. As you're looking that up, um, I think that is going to be the biggest question for this team going forward is how they complete this five-man rotation now that Paxton's down and not even that Paxton was a sure thing I mean he he had pitched better in his last couple starts but he still wasn't wasn't great Rex Beck guy Ooh, so are you, are you on board now? I am on team Addison Russ I had what no is, idea what it was is his walk guy. how many walks in 152 innings so 2019 
is uh, it doesn't scroll over on this stupid website <laughs> on my phone. This is a Mike Francesa moment. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Walks. I'm just going to let you die right here. <laughs> you sure are doing it. 20 walks. Uh, 20 walks in 55 games. Oh, that's... Okay. I don't know 20 how many walks in 100, is, but that's... Hold a, on. Hold on. He had 20 walks in 200 strikes. That's a 10 to 1 ratio. That is unreal. I don't believe you about the 200 strikeouts either. I took that off of... I need, I I need a better website. This is, I can't do this Passin, mobile. I think Passin tweeted these stats out because I took this. I just copied Passin's tweet. All right. The, so Rex that's a good thing. I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on with this Rex thing. I, I'm on the computer now so I can actually see a full website and, and actually get to this point. But um, I love the fact that he's wearing Rex I love the fact that he is a guy who hopefully threw 200... 200 strikeouts, which I really don't believe you at this point now. I think this is the difficult thing. All right, so 2019, I got uh, some stats here. Minor leagues. This is total minor league seasons. It's uh, 56, not in one season. Pitched. 56 in, in innings 2019. Pitched. Yep, yep, yep. I see it. 81 he's, strikeouts. So he's over yes. a strikeout per per inning pitch, which is a good thing. Yeah, 200 Those strikeouts were his total in, 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 in three years. Yep, in 152 innings, but only 44 walks in in those three seasons. Right. So that's a really good K to walk ratio. It is. He only walked last year uh, 20 guys in 56 innings. So, yeah, what's what's this? That's in Double A. So he's just. That's, oh, I know. And we saw Lasagna just absolutely pinpoint control in Double A, and that has not been the case in the majors. So I'm not saying it's going to translate. No, but at the same time, is this a guy that's you know he's gonna he's gonna be a, a productive player on this team now he's he hasn't pitched above double a lasagna came up straight from double a that was that was a weird thing because he was on the 40 that year i remember him being on the 40 and they had to call him up because there were like no other options on the 40 man without making a a a roster move so so what the last thing i want to talk about uh, as far as injuries go is what do you think paxton what do you think happens with paxton in this offseason He's gonna sign. He's gonna sign a short-term contract on a prove me deal, or someone's gonna overpay him like Avaldi, and they're gonna pay for the the years after this Tommy John surgery because that's gonna. But happen at least Avaldi had already had Tommy John surgery. He hasn't had it. I mean, not that he he might not need it, but the risk is you have a flexor strain in your forearm elbow area. It could heal and turn out fine. But it's a ticking time bomb. Yeah, I, I'm more talking about the when Avaldi signed. Was it with Boston? No, it was a minute. Who did he sign with directly after Tampa? But Tampa. It Tampa but it was right. a it was a two year. It was a they paid him. Yeah, for the off for, for the year the, that he was rehabbing. But it wasn't an expensive contract. It was a couple million bucks. Uh, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. That's that's. Do you the think comp. Boris is going to do that, or do you think Boris is going to do a bet on yourself? Sign for well, it depends on it depends what happens. Dollars. If he has surgery, if he has surgery, then no. Yeah, surgery changes. So everything, on but. in 2017, Evaldi signed a one-year, two million dollar contract with the Tampa Rays, and then um, the contract included a club option, two million for 2018. So essentially, it was a four million dollar deal for 2018. Yeah, and I'm sure there were some incentives in here as well. And that's the year they traded him to Boston, and he 
owned us in the playoffs. Yeah, anyway. and it was because he revealed that he had loose bodies in his elbow. So Paxton, though, do you think do you think this takes the Yankees out of the the contract running? Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I don't want to deal with it's, this for two years. I don't that's want to deal with be. this. I don't want to deal with this at all. Like I don't want to deal with it at all. I certainly yeah. don't want to deal with it for the next two years because that's what it's going to look. All things are trending to this guy having surgery. I feel like he's not Tanaka. Tanaka was a different type of pitcher at a very different type place in his career, and just a different type of pitcher. This guy needs to live in the 90, 95 plus, 96, 97 mile per hour because if he doesn't, we've seen what he is. He's not that type of guy. If he doesn't have that velocity, I have a very, very, very difficult time to seeing how this guy can pitch his way out of you know, a paper bag, let alone three to four innings uh, on, a, on a given basis. Tanaka's the other guy who's a free agent and he's looked awful this year. He's essentially turned into a splitter slider pitcher. Tanaka I know has looked good. Huh? Four innings still look pretty good. Do you not remember the stats we talked about last episode? Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the 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 back of the baseball card numbers. Some of them were pretty good. He's all right. Mm, no, they're bad. And the, he's off the fastball, bad. the fastball bad. He's he's working up though. He's got to show it when it's uh, you know a decent pitch. I think Tanaka's been bad, and if he does not get better as the season progresses, I don't think they're going to sign him either. I don't think they need to sign him. Um, this is this is to that conversation. I don't want to deal with any known injuries walking into the season unless we very well have to. I certainly don't want to sign known injuries or declining players going into the 2021 season. Because I swear to God, man, they got to win in 2021. This window that was that was wide open for such a long time is getting so small and tight. We don't know when because guys' contracts are coming up. There's, uh, you know, they're getting older. It's just... It's crazy how this year screwed them in a in a in a way where they were coming to a peak, uh, you know, physically, age wise, right in the in the wheelhouse with contracts. Garrett Cole's on the team, and now this is a lost year. So yeah, twenty one's huge. Well, you also mentioned to your point earlier. What if they do win the championship this year, and that's the championship? I see. Look, yeah, okay, I'll be happy that they win because that's that's what this is going to come down to. It's going to come down to somebody winning. And in the playoffs, it's going to be fun and all of that. But at the same time, you still want to win the regular, still want to win a yeah. real year. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I want them to win this year because I don't want to lose. Right. But also, it's not as big of a deal as a full year. It's just not. It's, it sucks, but it's just not. I mean, we could talk ourselves into it. We could say that, that it is. And it will feel like that in the playoffs, probably. It'll feel just, it'll feel good. I, no, yeah, I'm not. I'm not downplaying those, like the, the, the just emotions. because it's just because it doesn't. Just because we're saying it's not the same as a full regular season does not mean it. It's bad. It just it's lesser than, and that's okay. I think that's the reality. And slash, just very different. Yeah. Look at these numbers. I just uh, saw Buster only tweet this. IL numbers so far this season. Pitchers on the IL, first 28 days of the season since 2018. 2018, 38. 2019, 41. 2020, 108. 20 are due to COVID. So even if you back that out, 90. It's it's crazy. What was 2019? 41. Doubled. So doubled plus a plus a few for from year to year. Yeah, no. 
predictable though, right? I mean, this is this is something that we kind of saw coming, and you know that the article Dr. Ahmed was ahead of the Tommy John, you know, with that um, with that article in the in the Times or the Post or wherever it was. But the this is, I I fully 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 was behind what he was saying. I mean, there's just when you when you enter into a season that's this different and you don't have the same preparations that you have as you have literally every single year, and these guys are such creatures of habit. Then now you have different ramp up times. Guys trying to like, you know, overcompensate to get onto a, a an expanded roster. Guys who are on the roster who don't belong on the roster pitching at this point that would normally not be there. Um, more pitchers, more pitchers. Like that's the thing too. Like there are pro- there are more yeah, pitchers. So there's baseball. more op- there's more opportunities for guys to get injured because there's just more of them. Right. But it's um, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's an I mean that's an alarming number. That's an alarming rate when you double it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised by it, even for for a, a doubling the numbers. Not surprised. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply not making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason, Worsland Therabody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. A lot of CBD products claim to be organic, but still contain up to 30% filler. And a lot of these fillers are actually very toxic, or potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they even get to you. Every single product is USDA certified organic, grown in the United States, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available absolutely anywhere. You can use the warming lotion in your morning routine or cooling lotion or massage oil to recover. Bottom, uh, the body balm for targeted relief and sleep tincture to drift off into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of the purchase. This is not something Theragun is likely to ever do again. So buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash blue wire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back to the NFL with NFL Sunday Ticket.tv. You can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and Direct TV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday Ticket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Seriously, guys, this is an awesome deal. As Scott and I have said, if you use this, you can get it on any device, your phone, your tablet, your laptop, your TV, Fire Stick, whatever you got. You can get 15 different TVs going. You can watch every game on Sunday afternoon. We're all going to be inside anyway because there's a freaking pandemic going on. and You're not going to be able to go to a bar in October or November when it's cold outside and watch football. So you're going to have to do it at home. So visit NFL Sunday TV. Use promo code BLUEWIRE 15% off, baby. Everybody's favorite segment, eye test versus nerd test. I have some updated numbers for the Yankees with the bases loaded. So do you remember like a week and a half ago, they weren't that terrible with the bases loaded. Since then, 
they have uh, not really come through in those situations. And yeah, it's a small sample overall. So these numbers can be skewed by just a few plate appearances. But the updated numbers are 258 batting average, 273 on base percentage, 452 slugging. That's a 96 WRC plus. So they're below league average when it comes to uh, bases loaded situations. The biggest issue, 36% K rate, 0% walk rate. What'd you say? 0% walk rate? Zero walks, 0% walk rate, 36% K rate. Yeah, that's not good. It's alarming. It's a, it's a, is it not on trend? It's an approach it's an approach issue. Oh, for sure. It's not an issue though. It's it's an approach. That, to that's strike out <laughs> to yeah, hit the ball or not, or in in the air. But but in in other situations they strike out low leverage situations they strike out 22% of the time. Medium leverage situations they strike out 23% of the time. High leverage situations they strike out 26% of the time. Runners in scoring position they strike out 25% of the time. But specifically bases loaded 36%. Trying to be the uh the Slam Diego Padres every single time. <laughs> it's working for the Padres. Why why are they hitting the ball but the Yankees are not? So we got a suggestion from Outa underscore L underscore field. I'm wondering if he took that from our out of left field segment. But he said, can we get a nerd test on the Yankees with runners in scoring position? So with runners in scoring position this year, 268 batting average, 370 on base, 536 is their slugging percentage. Those numbers aren't that bad. That's a 143 WRC plus. That's really good. Runners in scoring position... Overall, not bad. But look at the high leverage. High leverage, 217, 310, 333, 80 WRC+. So the the runners in scoring position does not necessarily mean all of those situations are important, right? That's true. I I mean, you could have a guy on second base with one out, but this but it's a 7 to nothing game. Is that high leverage? No. It's runners in scoring position, but it's not high leverage. So the leverage index on Fangrass. Let me let me read this. Hold on a second. Quick. Can I ask you a question before you read that? And maybe you're going to answer this with this leverage index from Fandex and how they from Fangrass and how they explain it. But we we have this argument. We've had this argument in the past about um, the Yankees. And thank you for that. The, <laughs> Andrew just stood up and put his crotch right into the camera. Appreciate it. The uh, I had to air it out. The um, you can do that with Manscaped. We, Go check them out. We've had this conversation. Let me, let me regroup here. <laughs> my, my, my brain. The um, So when a reliever comes in the game or just the pitcher's in the game and there is a, you know, let's say they give, the same, give them the same situation. Runner on second base, one out, but it's the heart of the lineup and it's a, it's a position that is very well going to dictate the way that the game outcome is, right? You've argued that it doesn't matter when you bring a pitcher in. Uh, I'm always the guy who wants who wants the pitchers, that my better pitchers available later in the game because I think that it's just a different feeling, a different type of atmosphere at that game. And these guys are, you know, just um, conditioned for it differently. Isn't that the same thing that we're kind of talking about here where if there's a guy, if it's the third inning and, you know, you have a, a pitcher up against it but he's not giving up very much right now. It's a good starting pitcher. Guy on second base. You don't get that many opportunities. Couldn't you consider that a high leverage situation? Why is it not well, reversed for the batter as well? No, it is. And I was going to answer that in in the summary here. But I'll, I'll read it in a second. But to answer your point, a third inning cannot be as important as a seventh or eighth inning. Because the, the chances of that 
in the third inning affecting the final result of the game are less because of because the there's unknown. More, there, because there's more time later in the game. So then, why does that so, argument come back on the pitcher side and people are like, "Well, you know what? Top of the top of the order, top of the order. Like it depends who's up. It depends what what." Oh, you mean for an opener? For situation. for an opener, any any type of situation with a, a, well, a I think it, a pitcher I think it goes bringing to a in a certain point. It's it's, it's 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 the argument to bring in one of your. Chad Green, it would always with with Chad Green, how he would come in early and we're like, well, it was a high leverage situation in the game. It doesn't matter if that if that situation happens in the third inning or if it happens in the eighth inning still has to go against that guy in a position where runs can come in. And I'm arguing I'm sitting here screaming at the phone like, well, no, that's not the case, because to me in the seventh inning with a guy on second base in a tie game, it's a different feeling than the third inning with the uh, you know guy on second base and the ability to score a run. That is the game that the managers have to play. And obviously, you would never argue to bring in Chad Green just because there's a key situation in the second or third inning. Although Joe Girardi did it in the wild card game in 2017, and it saved the game. If that becomes a 6 nothing game in the first inning, the Yankees are done. You agree with that? Yeah. I. Well, yeah. <clears throat> but you talking about the wild card it, game? Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's you have to weigh the the options there. But the the beauty of the Yankees bullpen is if I bring Chad Green in the fifth inning to protect a one run lead, well then I can go to Adovino and then I can go to Britain and then I can go to Chapman. So it's not like I have to bring in horse crap after Chad Green. Chad Green can save the game now. But why just because it's the fifth inning am I going to bring in Luis Avalon? in a one run game when I could go to Chad Green, save the game in the fifth inning, pass it on to the good guys later in the game. But if all you have is Chad Green, then I understand your point. You have to save him a little bit more. I'm but, asking, but I'm asking more to this metric. Like, is there, can I, is it, can waiting? I read it? And then maybe you'll yeah, yeah, please do. get an answer. Okay, please do. So from Fangraphs, during the course of a game, some situations are more tense and suspenseful than others. For instance, we know that a one-run lead in the bottom of the ninth inning is more suspenseful than a one-run lead in the top of the third inning. Suspenseful? Batting, suspenseful? That's they're, they're trying to put it into eye test terms for you. They're such okay. nerds trying to describe this. Batting with two runners on and two outs in the eighth inning is filled with more pressure than batting in the same situation in the second inning. Leverage index is merely an attempt to quantify this pressure so we can determine if a player has been used primarily in high leverage or low leverage situations. An average or neutral leverage index is one. High leverage is 2.0 and above, and low leverage is below 0.85. 10% of all real game situations have an have a leverage index of greater than 2 while 60% 60 have an LI leverage index less than 1 meaning most situations in the game are low leverage only 10% are considered high leverage it's very rare that a situation directly affects the outcome of the game leverage index depends on inning score outs and number of runners on base Leverage index is a measure of the potential swing in win expectancy relative to average, which again, average is always one. <laughs> I, I, I hate, <laughs> I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate so badly the amount. Why? This is good amount, shit. Hold on, hold on. There's so many things with this one. The amount of things that they brought in at the end of that, when we're talking about the win expectancy, shut up. No, we agree. We like win expectancy. Fine. No, we don't. I don't like win expectancy. Yes, because we I think do. They, don't you remember we talked about it for MVP voting? Look, you you agreed with it. No. Do you yeah. do the nerds believe in clutch? 
So let me ask, yes. just answer that. No, so they always so say they don't. don't. They say they some don't. Some nerds don't. Some nerds don't. This is their. This, this is their. This is their freaking dorky nerd way to to say clutch. Yes, yes. high le- high leverage is another word for clutch. Yeah. Now, what the nerds will say is, it doesn't matter what a player's high leverage numbers are versus low leverage numbers. You have to take the larger sample and assume they will equal in all situations. However, we know. I'm with you on this. Why can't they take the higher? Why can't they? Th- why can't they take the the um, the longer vision of what a high leverage situation is with that one player instead of looking at all of their numbers? Why can't well, they just separate well, it into again because high leverage situations? They do, and the amount you of can, that you can just look at right. a high. Le- you can just look at a player's high leverage or a team's high leverage, which I gave you. The Yankees in high leverage situations are hitting 217. With an 80 WRC plus, which means they're 20% below the league average. However, in medium leverage, they're monsters. They're hitting 283, 367, 597 with a 159 WRC plus. They're they're 59%, almost 60% better than the league average in medium leverage situations. How does this leverage index uh, equate for the pitcher that's in the game in a high leverage situation? Because in well, theory, that you're adding, I mean, you're adding another variable, but you can. But I'm adding a I variable that's you, very you real. Ch- no, you take it on the pitcher side too, and there's high leverage, medium leverage, low leverage. But how does it? But how does it actually well. quantify? It's the same calculation. How does it quantify into the batter's leverage index? Because they're going up against a, a, a stud reliever. Because it doesn't. It's just game. It's just game situation. So don't you think that when we're looking at a, a high leverage situation, and theoretically there's a better pitcher in, because that's what baseball teams do now is they specialize in in stud relievers throughout their throughout their team that a high leverage situation you're also going to be going up against a much more specific um probably higher talent pitcher that's that's most likely has good numbers against you or you as a as a, a in theory of the type of batter that you are right-handed batter you're bringing in guy someone to combat exactly you in a in a high leverage situation that's not that's not taken into consideration when we're looking at. So in a, in a medium in a medium leverage situation or a low leverage situation, if Luke Voigt is up with the runner on second base, there may not be a pitching change, and you may stick with the guy uh, a, a a starter for the third time in the rotation or a middle reliever. Yet in the seventh or eighth inning in a high leverage situation, the Tampa Bay Rays are probably going to make a pitching change so that they can so that they can isolate this exact player in this exact moment one of with one of their high leverage, very good relievers. And now, of course, those numbers are going to get lower because the matchup is dog shit. Yeah, okay, but like you're just talking about something that we've known in baseball forever that but I'm when saying, the if, game if matters these, the most, you're going to be quantifying do all these, to change the scenario. If they're going to be quantifying all of these things, like the other side of it has to be weighed. It's almost like a handicap, like based on the 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 it leverage is for weighed. the player. What are you talking about? For the pitcher, I mean, for the opposing pitcher. Well, you can't do that because if so, you're so you're saying, oh, well, just because Luke Voigt is going up against Tampa's best reliever. What we're I'm gonna, saying it's we're not a full picture. I'm saying it's not a full picture because you're now looking at a high leverage situation against a much better pitcher, a much better opponent as well. So yes, yeah, that a, is the that is why managing baseball is difficult. Right, I agree, <laughs> but I'm saying these numbers don't tell you the full story because of that as well. No, no number tells you the full story. I mean, they're but, I, but, but what to but me what it's you pretty can skewed. Do, but what you can do is you can take these numbers and apply it to game scenarios. And say, okay, I know these numbers of either the team or Luke Voigt in these situations. And I know his numbers against X pitcher. 
Yes. And I know watching with my own eyes how he's going right now. Does he have a hurt hamstring? Does he did he have the flu earlier today? Is he on fire and he feels really good at the plate right now? Like those things matter. I believe those things matter that aren't necessarily in high leverage, low leverage or in a batting average or in whatever it is stat you can pull off the internet. But I believe human human um, variables matter because it's a it's it's humans playing against humans. Right, right. Well, it's not, you, and, it's not and computers and versus computers. I appreciate the fact that you do have common sense in that respect, like because it's a real <laughs> thing. I do. I appreciate that. You're not a machine full and full. You are one that takes in consideration with the eye test and uh, the analytics and these things. My my point my point more so is that when we're looking at these numbers in a vacuum and we're looking at what the Yankees are against the bases loaded and we see this K rate and we see this uh, the zero walk rate. The, the zero walk rate is alarming. They have not walked once with the bases That's loaded. crazy. But the um, the it, it, it does make sense that the higher K rate would be there because now you're coming in in a high leverage situation against a very specific reliever against uh, against the, the the players that we know have launch angle and and that is their approach. So I, my point is that it does make sense that those numbers get unequivocally worse when you have a higher leverage situation uh, with runners on on base because the no. opposing pitcher is going to put in their best pitcher yes, against you. But we're so actually now it's why, I it's why what all you're the saying. it's why all the offensive numbers in the postseason are lower. Yes, but we're agreeing. Now I understand what we're going on here because if you just look at runners in scoring position as all equal situations, you can't do that. Because again, a runners in scoring position with a 7 nothing game is not created equal to a runners in scoring position in a tie game. It's just not. We learn that's what the leverage index gets at, which is why you look at high leverage, medium leverage, low leverage. So we agree. Yes, it, it makes sense that in high leverage no, situations, I, yeah, no, no, no. Well, I'm not disagreeing numbers with are going to get worse. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with but, that. I'm but s- should they be 20% below league average? Maybe that's a little ba- that's bad. Like, can, can you have a team win the World Series if you're 20% below league average? In, in no, so that's so the overall. When you take it so against not, the league I'm average, not saying when it's you, not 80. The Yankees aren't 80 WRC plus in high leverage versus their norm. It's against what every other team in baseball does in those exact same scenarios. Right, they're worse than other teams. They're worse than the average Major League Baseball. That's bad. That is bad. That is a bad thing. That is not a good thing. And a lot of it is because of the way that they approach the the situation. I think because they're going for everything, they're swinging out of their shoes. But they're not making contact. <laughs> so I think those numbers are valuable. And to, to look at it in these sort of snippets is valuable and telling. Not necessarily about I don't think I don't know. It's if hard to use these, mo- these great. It's hard to use these numbers in a in a moment in a game. You have to most you have to look at these numbers. I, I think these numbers are more valuable when you're in, you know, a long term uh uh, roster approach. When you're looking at yeah. the way that the roster is going to shape out, you're looking at the moves that you need to make to to make your your team better in the off season. These numbers now, to me, against the rest of the league, are are a lot more useful than actually using them in game at for for any or just looking back at to see what they are. I really want to look up <laughs> DJ Lemayhu's high leverage stats, but it's going to break my computer, and I'm afraid. Oh, dude, I don't. Okay. You're not going to be able to find it on Fangraphs. You got to go to the split tool and add high leverage. Oh, do you want to try it? Jesus Christ. I mean, just keep talking. We'll see if I can manage this, but All right, this is what you do. Google DJ LeMahieu I got Fangraphs I got it. I'm going to I'm going to find it. Or actually just Google DJ LeMahieu high leverage situations Fangraphs. Maybe it'll just give it to you. How do you spell LeMahieu? <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> What's Google? So I think I agree with you that when you look at it from a team approach perspective and you sort of project into October baseball, and if you say, well, the Yankees are below league average in the most crucial situations, that's a problem. Because when it comes time to move runners or to get a sack fly or to to hit with two outs and runners in scoring position in the seventh inning of a two to two ball game, the Yankees are not equipped to do that as well as some other teams. Like, look at what the Rays did in that three game series at Yankee Stadium. It's didn't it seem like every time there was a, a key situation with runners on base, they did something productive. Maybe it wasn't always a hit, but it was something that f- further progressed their chances of scoring a run. Yeah, and that's that's why I, that's really why I I saw them as such a a difficult matchup because of their approach, because of the way. And again, we've we've talked about this number of times. The the, the teams that have won the World Series recently have been teams that can hit. Hit the ball, bat to ball, can can do different things in um, you know different different situations in a game. They're not so dependent on the long ball, and because of that, they're able to be a little more flexible in their approach and actually move guys around. And that's what you need to do against against good pitching. Yeah, how are you coming with All those, right, so that? So I'm on his uh, Fangraphs page. You said specifically, I'm looking at uh, what for. I'm on you the good. analytics too. You got to go to no, so you got to go to the splits tool, okay. and unless maybe it'll actually go to his splits and advanced, and just uh, see if they have leverage on there, and maybe just uh, do a search for for leverage. Yeah, maybe I got leverage. I got leverage. I got leverage okay. right here. Twenty twenty leverage. Here we go. What's his high leverage versus? Well, it's going to be small samples. Yeah, there's so only there's only six plate appearances for high leverage right now, and he's batting five. What about twenty? <laughs> what about what about twenty nineteen? All right. Let's do that. You're making me change years now. That's that's something. I got it though. I think I got this. This is a lot easier to to manage than baseball reference. Baseball reference is a disaster. No, it's I mean Fangraphs blows baseball reference out of the water. It's just a I mean these are these numbers are exactly what you'd expect them to be. So 49 uh 49 plate appearances, high leverage situations in 2019. DJ LeMay who is uh, batting average is batting 357. What's his WRC plus? Um now I got to go to advanced. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I got to go to um, not standard tools. It's like it's like a baby calf coming out of out of the mother's womb and, and and learning to walk for the first time is what we're watching here with Scott navigate fan graphs. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna take a minute. Keep talking. Oh, here we go. I got it. I found it. I found it. Leverage. Okay. What do you want? WRC plus. Yeah. Um, high leverage situations. One forty. Medium. Forty percent. Forty percent better than league average. Medium situations. Thirty four percent higher. Low oh leverage, thirty-seven percent higher. So he's so good. Yeah, he's just and consistent. It doesn't matter because he's ice. He's got ice through the veins. DJ LeMahieu doesn't. It doesn't matter where he is, when he is, who he's against. He does the same approach. So ner- spray nerds the ball and make contact. Nerds love the Luke Voigt's of the world, and I I like Luke Voigt too. He's like I said earlier. He's been no exaggeration the most productive first baseman in the American League since two thousand eighteen. However. It would not surprise me if you look at his, his leverage index and in high leverage situations, he's not doing so hot. So it's just that that is the problem you run into sometimes with the type of player the Yankees have employed. It's the, up and it's down the A-Rod, uh, it's the A-Rod, the A-Rod way. Is there uh, anything else you want to talk about? The, the, I saw MLB ratings are up specifically in younger demographics and in women demographics. I will say this. They are doing 
the highlights are all over the place now. They're definitely Tatis Jr. has certainly helped matters. I think for for the way uh, things are happening, the fact that 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 whole that conversation got on a national stage, I think as far as um, off you know the uh, the unwritten rules, I actually think that was a really big positive for what baseball was because there are not that many people who are you know, relevant in today's, in today's digital world that believe that. So I feel like overwhelmingly the, the um, conversation was that those rules are stupid. And I think that is a good thing for um, the Utes getting and gravitating towards. But do you think it's a, I mean, those are COVID related numbers, right? Do you think that's, that's the backdrop? That's the backdrop because everybody's at home looking for entertainment. Well, also do you, I wonder if they could quantify of those increases what percentage of those people would just ordinarily be in the ballpark? I don't know how you could possibly do that. I don't know either. But, but you know, just because uh, the younger demographic and um, maybe the women demographic, I'm not sure, but doesn't it seem the younger demographic might be more interested in going to a baseball game than watching a baseball game in person? Um, it's it's an event. It's a social event. You're drinking. You're I, well, outside I don't. With your I don't buddies. know how. I don't know how they quantify the, like you know the the minimum um, time spent on a game as the as considered you know the ratings. I don't. I don't know how they do that. But so it, it, are they watching the full game? Are they watching you know forty five minutes I, of I, a game, I, twenty minutes of? Gotta a game? be honest. I didn't read the whole article. I just read the tweet yeah. about the article. So you're you're <laughs> you're exactly why there's a problem. The. Uh, no, I think that's the stand. There's probably a standard TV measurement yeah. where you have to be on for X number of. But nobody's uh, watching it on TV of the anymore. Broadcast. Nobody's watching it on TV. The, I think the fact that it's readily available all over the place, the highlights are definitely picking up big time. But there's still, but highlights don't count to ratings. No, but I think those are supplemental pieces of content that drive people through the game. Do you think and it's easier? There's a lower bo- barrier for entry right now to watch a game than to go to a game. Well, there's also, and it's I cheaper. mean, a lot of people 18 to 34 don't have cable anymore. I don't have cable anymore. So I had you don't to, need cable. I had to find an alternative streaming service to, to watch live games. Right. However, I think baseball would do itself a big favor in ratings. And I know this needs to be worked out with the individual TV networks if they just didn't black out MLB TV. Yeah. I mean, they, they would have to, they would have to make it, um, count towards the, I don't I don't even know the right words here but it would need to it would need to be you know part shared of the, yes with network. the, the yes network the local would have networks. to get yeah they would have there would be a revenue piece of that that the, the yes network would have to feel in market for that to happen I mean I think they should yeah. do that they should figure that equation out because it makes a lot of sense they would definitely Does get it, more wouldn't eyeballs. it just be extra dollars in everyone's pocket yeah but there's a lot of programming that's dedicated towards just the the actual um Yes, network broadcast as well. Like half the time when you're, let's say you're watching MLB uh, TV, you're watching and there's a local broadcast, like you don't actually get when they cut to someone on the field or when they cut to the to studio, you don't, you don't get that you programming. Don't, you don't get the studio. Pro, uh, so there's just like different you don't things get, like that. You don't get commercials. You just get the MLB TV logo right. and then the, the recycled ads. Yeah. So they need to figure out what that looks like and how the equation, I, I, I certainly think that, you know, what if they just mirrored what the broadcast was directly from the the network. Well, then I think people would stop getting the subscription to Yes Network as well, and it would and it would also it's not just MLB and the and the uh, regional sports network, but it's ML it's the it's the regional sports network and the cable provider also, because mm-hmm. now you're taking money out of their pocket because they don't need they're they're not they're a middleman that nobody needs anymore. So, 
I think you learned a lot this episode. I think I think uh, you made some progress. You learned how to use fan graphs. You learned about the leverage index. I think this is a productive episode. Yeah, I, I mean, I just also learned that you don't use it 95% of the time that people bring it up in either. It's used for very, I think I have a, very I think I have macro. a healthy relationship with, ner- with nerd stats. To me, nerd stats are used on a, on a macro level <laughs> and to bring them into games most of the time is ridiculous. And then, and it's really just as a, a, another guideline, another tool in the belt, if you will, for looking and approaching um, players and rosters and just larger, larger, uh, larger, larger, larger fish. Not, not, not the small micro instances that they try to use them in. I don't, I don't like them for that. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll have baseball to talk about on Thursday's show. Knock on wood, Scott. Any last words? Go and download TE1. It's a project that I've been busting my ass on as well. So please uh, support uh, support that show. And uh, me in particular, I really would appreciate it. It's, uh, it's, it's a big one. So go in there and download and subscribe TE1. Thank you very much. Awesome. We will talk to you guys in a few days. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Did someone say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at BetOnline have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is finally pushing into fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of return to sports and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.